Welcome to the Brand Led Podcast. We're your hosts, Kane Baker and Lisa Dondreo, co-founders of the branding studio, Baker Creative. We're on a mission to help you gain clarity in your brand and fulfillment in your work life. From strategy to visuals and beyond, we're arming you with bite-sized branding insights to help you build and grow a brand-led business. Welcome to another episode of Brand-Led, everybody. I'm your host, Kane Baker, and with me, joining me as always, is my wife, Lisa. Hello. So today, we're going to be revealing two methods that you guys can use to stand out in your space and turn those browsers into buyers. Yeah, so if you're getting people to your website or your store, but they aren't turning into sales, it's highly likely that you have a value perception problem. Mm. So let's just talk about value for a moment. Let's do it. The reason why we buy anything is because we think that we'll get more value from the product or service that we're buying than what we're paying for it. Yeah. And I guess in simple terms, when we say value, we're really just talking about delivering something that's beneficial to our audience. Mm -hmm. It might help them solve a problem. Uh, make them feel good or even help them to reinforce the type of person that they are or want to become. Yeah. So essentially, we're playing around with two factors here. We're playing around with perceived value and price. And I suppose that gives us two paths to demonstrate to customers that they should buy from us instead of our competitors. So the first is to lower the price of what we sell and keep the value exactly the same as others in our space. Yeah, a low-cost provider. Yeah, exactly. And the second method is to deliver more perceived value and either increase the price or keep it the same as others in our space. Mm. And the way we do that is through differentiation. Yeah, nice, nicely done, Liz. So how about we dig a little bit deeper into each one of these? Yeah, great. So the first method is to be a low-cost provider. And that means you're giving your customers really great value at a much lower cost than your competitors. Yeah, I think IKEA does a really good job of this. Yeah, they do. They're known, you know, for their affordable prices, um, but they're also able to deliver lower prices because they leave the assembly to the buyer. Yeah, and I suppose that has value in and of itself as well because we tend to assign, you know, a higher value to something that we've kind of created yeah. or partially created ourselves, same as, you know, when you You're have, proud of it or Yeah, like um the packet cake mixes and stuff that people <laughs> people yeah. make. That's a really good example of that. Yeah, and I think Costco is another good example um, of this, and the, but the same would go for you know Office Works, Audi, Kmart, yeah. Bunnings, Even any the, others? Yeah, Uniqlo. Uniqlo, yeah. Um, Southwest Airlines is another one that I had down. There's here. a bunch of them, yeah. Yeah, but really, yeah, they've all found ways to deliver similar value to their competitors for a lower price. Yeah. So I suppose the other path. Um, so that's the low cost. The other path would be to deliver. Um, to deliver value would be to differentiate yourself. And this means adding distinctive, tangible or intangible elements to your product, your service or your brand that your customer perceives as being beneficial. Yeah. Um, so a good example of this is when Netflix first launched, they really differentiated themselves by making it easier for people to watch movies at home. I think when Netflix actually started, they were sending out DVDs via post to people um, and that's, that's kind of amazing. where they first started out and obviously now it's the Netflix as, as we know it. Um, but they really were leaning into this idea of making it more convenient for their customers yeah. um, by changing up the delivery method so people didn't have to go to the DVD or the video store anymore. Yeah, because they would have been competing with, yeah, those just walk into the DVD store and, and uh, pixeling off the shelf opposed to not leaving the house and getting it delivered to them. Yeah, exactly. 
Yeah, so um, another one that kind of pops up here is Magic Spoon uh, is a good example of, you know, this differentiation. Yeah. They really, I guess, reinvented cereal. <laughs> yeah. And the cereal is a low-carb, high-protein, uh, grain-free, gluten-free, all that stuff, and it's very different to other cereals, you know, like different to those Frosty Flakes or the Fruit Loops, which are really sugary. And they're really targeting health-conscious co- consumers, Mm-hmm. And it's a way to let them have something they that they might have labelled cereal in general as being off limits or bad for you. Yeah, so these are examples of businesses who are really differentiating based on their product or service features or benefits. And for people listening, you know, you might have a differentiator that's related to your product or service as well, and that might be your quality, your durability. Um, maybe it's the way you package something. It might be uh, taste. Uh, even processes mm. uh, or even your experience. So to be effective, you just have to make sure that if you are leaning on one of these differentiators, they have to be really real and recognizable, valuable differences from your customer's perspective. Yeah. And I think another thing to add is where you are claiming something, especially when it's intangible, not measurable, um, like better quality or in Magic Spoon's case, better for you, you can't just claim it. You have to actually prove it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so something they've done, which I, I thought was really great, is they have a comparison table on their website, which stacks up their cereal against other popular cereals, including, you know, the carbs, sugars, and the protein. Yeah, exactly. So I suppose your difference could also lean into credibility factors uh, like experience or maybe awards that you've won. Maybe yeah, you've been fe- Yeah, maybe you've been featured somewhere mm. uh, or maybe you've worked with like a really big name client and those can be differentiators as well. But yeah. just remember that, you know, we're playing with value perceptions. So if your potential customer doesn't see value in something, it doesn't really matter how different it is, they won't buy it. Yeah, they're not going to buy it. So I think the question we need to ask ourselves isn't how can I be different, but maybe instead ask the question, how can I be different in a way that's also valuable to my audience or customer? Yeah, exactly. I mean, we can be different from another branding studio by, you know, I don't know, giving someone a lock of hair every time we work together. Yeah, I'm not sure that would go down too <laughs> But, well. yeah, I highly doubt they want that. It's definitely different. Um, it's absolutely creepy, creepy um, but not valuable to anyone really. So Yeah, and I guess the lesson there is we have to keep focused on what our customer actually finds valuable, right? Yeah, exactly. The other thing I suppose worth noting here is that while these types of product or service differentiators, they're great. Uh, they can be easier to copy than the next type of differentiator we're about to discuss. Okay. And so I suppose, you know, whenever you're you're improving a product or service offering, you know, you've got um, less sugar or, you know, you've, you've changed your delivery, it's more convenient. Um, you're always, I suppose, framing yourself as better than the other options. And when you're still, um, when you're ultimately, I suppose, you're still comparing yourself to other people in your space, you're always really tied to the competition. So how do you become incomparable then, Liz? Yeah, so I suppose that's why we love differentiating using your brand. Hmm. Um, So if you're a member, your brand is a perception or an emotional connection associated with your business. It's what you're known for. And I suppose this is less about what you're buying and instead about how you feel when you have it. Yeah. So when I buy a Tesla, I'm buying an electric car, sure, but I'm also saying something about who I am as a person. I'm really buying into Tesla's version of the future. Which is, you know, environmentalism. Exactly. That progression there. 
Exactly. It really taps into that innate desire to explore, to discover, to really push the boundaries of what's possible. Yeah. And there's plenty of other car brands that are going electric now, right? So they offer similar features to what Tesla already does. Um, So, but if Tesla's brand is nothing like a BMW or uh, Volkswagen, I'm not sure of that. They're, they're the ones specifically doing yeah, uh, they, electric I think cars. They are. Yeah, the, most brands, I think, are yeah. really leaning into the electric cars. And if that was their, the only, their sole differentiator, they'd be in a bit of trouble, right? Yeah, exactly. So that's why their brand is so, it's a different experience, you know, driving a Tesla to it is another brand. And it really says something about who you are as yeah. a person um, when you're driving those types of cars. So love it. Um, another example is Grocery Skincare. Uh, their brand is are really about uncomplicating skincare and making it really fun. Yeah, they're really leaning into that, you know, the fun tone of voice gesture and the, the innocent kind of archetypes. Yeah, definitely. I, I've said this before, but I think a really big strength of this brand yeah. is their voice. Mm. It's unique and it has so much personality and it's totally unlike anyone else in their space. I mean, maybe more people now are kind of replicating this, but when they first came out, um, they're definitely unique. And I suppose as the brand grows, it's really clear to me that they've uh, put a big focus on creating a brand that fosters belonging. Uh, It's not about exclusivity um, or hidden ingredients or, you know, making you feel like you're um, not as good or that you need this to be better. It's really about, you know, belonging. And um, I think GoTo really empower their people to become skincare experts in a sense. And their customers really love that about them. Yeah. Yeah, no, great example. I really like how GoTo have, it, have um, kind of got, gone down that direction with their tone of voice. Mm. And we could we could bang, a, bang on about their visuals and their experience, um, but we've already covered that on our blog actually. Yes. And what we'll do is we'll leave a, le- a link in the show notes um, so you guys can have a read, a further read if you're keen. Yes, that's um, a couple of years old now. I don't know when, when I wrote that, yeah. but um, maybe worth an update. <laughs> but it's a good good read nonetheless. So, yeah, they have really effective products, but I, at, at the end of the day, it's their brand, that feeling that you get when you buy from them that really sets them apart. And it's the brand that people really get value from belonging to. So now you guys know the two paths to standing out and making a sale. You might choose to be a low-cost provider or you might choose to differentiate. Either way, you're always going to be playing with value perceptions and price. Yeah, so you can keep the value on par with the other brands in your space and drop the price, or you can add lots more value and keep the price the same or raise it as well. Yeah. Or um, maybe both. Yeah, exactly. So just make sure that you're making your offer a no brainer by delivering more perceived value than what you charge. Mm. Um, that's a really important point. So it's a simple way to look at it, but I hope it's a helpful one for you. Hopefully it is. So now it's your turn, guys. Which method are you using to win sales in your space? Tell us. Are you delivering more value than what you charge? And if not, how might you work to lower your costs and your prices or differentiate yourself? So yeah, if you need a hand building your brand, uh, that's what we can help you with. So we work with brands all the time to work out your strengths and then we can take a look at your competitive environment and really help you to find a space that you can feel confident about owning. Um, And once we've done that, once we've set up the fundamentals, the foundations of your brand and worked out your strategy, then we can help you build out assets like your visual identity, uh, help you to define your voice and even create, you know, assets like, you know, your website or your packaging or 
you know, stationary, things like that. And our goal really is to make you incomparable in your space. And if that sounds like something that you guys need support with, we do offer free discovery calls where you can chat to us about your goals for your branding. Um, and we can work out whether we're a good fit to help you reach them. There's no pressure and there's no Jedi mind tricks or anything like that. <laughs> yep. And um, really, we only work with clients that we know we can deliver like a lot of value for. Um, so if we think your time and money is better spent elsewhere, we'll just really say so. Yeah, exactly. So if you've been thinking about rebranding, but you're not sure if it's the right move, just feel free to book a discovery call with us and let's chat it through. Let's and, chat. Um, we'll pop the link in the show notes to do that if you're interested. Great. So that's a wrap for today. So thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in and spending your time with us. We do really value your support. And if you're not subscribed, make sure you hit the subscribe button to be the first to get new episodes every Monday. Yes, we'll see you next time.